You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. This episode of the All Things Private Practice Podcast is brought to you by Embark EMR. Embark is a superb software solution for the solo practitioner as well as group practices. Embark was designed by therapists to be simple and intuitive without all the extra stuff that you don't need so you don't feel like you're being nickel and dimed. Embark enables scheduling with automatic appointment reminders, a note organization system with multiple pre-built templates, and an automated invoice and super bill generation to make it easier on your clients. There's even a patient portal where your client can access notes, documents, and generate their own invoices and super bills. Embark EMR is setting a new precedent in EMR functionality and affordability. Embark's simple one-tier system is $20 a month per therapist, and there are never any extra fees. Try Embark EMR today with a free trial at EmbarkEMR.com. You can also use code ATPP for 20% off an entire year of Embark. Hey, everyone, you are listening to another episode of the All Things Private Practice podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Casal, joined today by Nicole Artst. She is an LMFT in California, but also, more importantly, the creator of psychotherapy memes, which a lot of you probably pay attention to, follow all week and use so that you can uh, get out of the, the daily grind of being a clinician. So really glad to have you here. And we're going to talk about imposter syndrome, uh, Nicole's book and whatever else comes up along the way. Excited to be here. Thank you for inviting me on, Patrick. You know, it was a long shot. You know, I was like thinking, I'm like, man, I've had so many cool guests on and I follow your stuff. And I was like, I'm just going to DM you and see what happens. And I'm glad that there's like a mutual link with, linkage with Catherine and the Teletherapist Network. And, you know, she's fantastic. And I can't say enough good things about her. But um, I am really happy you're here. And all of my clinicians were excited to hear this episode. So I just want to say that to you. You had a major impact on people. It's a big pedestal. Hopefully I, hopefully I can reach <laughs> I think you can, you know? So tell us about like the development of psychotherapy memes because you have thousands of followers and not only is it like, it's just such good, relatable content. And I'm curious about like how, you, how often you're creating these, like how often you're putting energy into this too. Yeah. So um, the inception, if you will, of psychotherapy memes started... I think it was, it's been about four years now. It's 2018, which in my head was just a year ago, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> no concept of time anymore. It doesn't matter. Right, right. And, you know, people, people often ask me about it and I, I don't have that cool of an answer. I wish I did. Honestly, I was working at a standard mental health agency, also doing a little bit of private practice on the side, but like most people who are probably listening to this, like, um, very much related to the grind of working in an agency, the grind of like private practice, the, just the grind, right? All the nuances that come with that. And so, um, I don't know, like I just started kind of creating some memes for it. And at the time I was a little scared to like really publicize myself doing it. So I was, I was anonymous for a couple of years, um, on site that they memes, just basically like shit posting, just making crazy stuff out there and like realizing, oh, okay, other people relate to this. Um, and so 
it's just kind of grown organically over time. I, I don't have any really cool outreach advice or anything of that note. I, I started making memes um, and putting them out there and then eventually getting a little more interactive with the community. I do like a Q&A every week. I, I share other therapist things. I've got involved with really different um, networks and programs and, and things like that and have gotten to talk to and meet a lot of cool people in our field. Um, and so it's, it started just like as a little fun project and now it really has kind of evolved into this big community and this really cool inclusive space of just therapists kind of a commiserating, but I think also connecting, like connecting in this idea of shared humor and the shared collective experience of, oh, okay, we all have kind of these commonalities with feeling insecure or feeling inadequate or feeling uncertain. And I guess just raising more of a voice to that, either voice that a lot of us have had. Um, I'm hoping that answers your question in kind of a roundabout way. It really does. And I think the the beauty in that and, you know, what I try to do, too, is is allow people to authentically be themselves. And also there's relatability in, in this process. Like, you know, I, I do coaching with clinicians from all over the country and everything is the same. Like the experiences are the same no matter where they are, whether they're at a group practice or an agency in California or they are working in Arkansas or Oklahoma. It's like the same shit in these agency jobs. And there was always this like breaking point right like where it was like fuck this i'm not dealing with another like bonus christmas luncheon from this shitty restaurant i'm done with this i'm gonna go do my own thing yeah uh, yeah and i i guess when you're in your little like uh bubble which a lot of us fit in like when you're just working at your job or just hanging out with your cohort like you think okay that's our shared experience you don't realize quite how unanimous it can be until like what you're talking about like it's the same shit everywhere. Every agency, every like starting new therapist, every like those insecurities and those anxieties and those frustrations are very, very similar across the board. They really are. And I think you're right. When you're in this bubble, you're like, it must just be this job. It must just be like the fact that we have some things that maybe feel a little bit dysfunctional. And then you go to another one in your area and you're like, oh, maybe the leadership team's a little bit better, but like, it's still the same process. It's the same expectation, productivity, et cetera, lack of resources. And I think so many of us have this intense anxiety and insecurity and imposter syndrome that, that we, you and I were talking about before about like going out on your own, starting your own thing. And this feeling of like, I can't make it on my own because what I don't know, I don't know. And the only way people can make it in this field is to work for a place that un inevitably beats you down and grinds you down. Well, and one thing that, <clears throat> excuse me, add to that is like, even if, like one of the worst case scenarios is if you don't think it's the job or if you don't think it's the secret, your, your go-to will be like, oh, well, maybe it's me. Maybe I'm not cut out for this, or maybe I'm not good enough for this field, or maybe like I have too much pressure or expectation for what a job should be. And so like, I know for me, I definitely went into that space from time to time and like, well, yeah, the problem here am I like not getting something the, the, the other therapists are getting, right? The other therapists seem smarter or more savvy or like more like the other shit together, if you will. And so, yeah, I think that can be a dark space that I know a lot, like just in doing psychotherapy, I've realized a lot of therapists really struggle with that. And it's not just the new therapist, right? Like it's that you can be 10, 20, years into the work and you're still like, well, is it me? Am I still not good enough? Am I, am I able to take that leap of faith and try something new? Or am I able to like make it on my, these questions that you were just talking about that I think so many of us still literally 
And I still struggle with it time, from time to time. Like, am I really going to do what I think I'm going to do? Like, am I really capable of all this? Or is this going to, at some point, just kind of run its course and then I'm going to be scrambling, you know what I mean? And so I think those insecurities still crop up from time to time. Yeah, I think you're you're spot on with that. And, you know, imposter syndrome insecurity seems to run pretty rampant in our field and profession in general. And there's a lot of, and I think maybe that's because there's a lot of introspection too. And there's a lot of, you know, putting pieces of ourselves in our work and and just a different field for a lot of people in general. But, you know, I spoke at um, the Therapy Reimagined conference last year on imposter syndrome, and I definitely was having imposter syndrome talking about imposter syndrome because I'm like, somebody's going to find me out. Like, I clearly don't know what I'm talking about to be on the stage and talk about this thing, right? But ultimately, normalizing the fact that we can be successful and it can still exist every single day of our lives. And what I try to give like some hope and optimism to is like, it can still exist, but maybe it doesn't have to paralyze you the way it paralyzed you when you first started maybe thinking about starting your own practice or doing something different. I could not agree more. And I love that about the imposter syndrome, about talking about imposter syndrome. (laughs) Like you, I've definitely been invited to a few different talks or just different conferences and things. And that's always the topic people want to talk about because that's what so much of my book hit on. And I'm sitting there like, well, why am I qualified to speak on this? (laughs) And it's a, it's a trip. It's a weird experience to have that, but and it's a question I get on my, on my Q&As a lot, like, how do I overcome this? How do I get rid of this? And I, I just don't think you do fully. But like you said, you learn to get to a space where it doesn't paralyze you or it doesn't guide your your every action. You're like, okay, well, I'm going to still take that job. I'm going to make that, you know, leap of faith. I'm going to take that risk, even if I feel a little like I'm faking it or I'm not good enough for it. Like, I'm going to act as if um, I can still do it. And I think that's been a lot of my growth and maybe some of your growth as well is just saying, okay, I am not going to listen to this part right now. <laughs> my heart's anyway, and I'll deal with the imposter stuff as it comes. Absolutely. That's really well said. And and people want like the magic recipe, I think, to like get rid of it. But I think it's like, if you can talk about it openly, that can sometimes take back a lot of the power that it has over us. Because I know for so long, it prevented me from doing so many things like leaving my agency job, um, starting my coaching business. I kept thinking, why would anyone hire me as a therapist? Or why would anyone hire me as a practice coach if there are other therapists and practice coaches out there? And they probably do it better than me or have more experience or whatever the case may be. And that is just our own shit coming up, our own insecurity. And then like just naming it and putting it out to the world and just being like, I feel this way and it's okay. And then everyone else is like, oh, I feel that way too. So you're not alone. No, I, I could not agree more. And all these things you're talking about, like it is scary. And you think a lot of the therapists or just people stay in their comfort zones. But the comfort zones, it's there's an asterisk by it. It's not really that comfortable anymore, right? And you're starting to resent it and feel annoyed and feel like you've gotten around it. But it's like, that's predictable misery. And so we'll choose to stick with that rather than like, try something new because yeah, those insecurities and those inferiority inferiorities emerge. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's been a journey for me to work through that as well. And I like the progress that I've made. I, I'm proud of myself for that, but I would be lying if I were to say like, oh yeah, there's this magic answer, like this three-step process or just do this and don't feel confident. You know, if I could sell that, right. And could, uh, could just go retire them on some nice tropical island somewhere but uh, 
<laughs> if only you could make that like self-help book and i'm sure they exist out there too of like these are the three things that you do to combat imposter syndrome and some of that could be true but you know you and i have created things throughout covid and you know have captured and grown audiences and you were telling me that even though you've written this book that people are really responsive to and there's a lot of positive feedback that you are still experiencing significant imposter syndrome around the book pretty often. Do you mind talking about that? Sure. Um, you know, I think any author can attest to this. Putting a book out in the world is vulnerable, right? I mean, you are putting some, I hate using cliches, but like, I'll just use the blood, sweat and tears because that is kind of like the metaphor that speaks to it. Like you're putting a lot of effort into producing this thing. And there's that voice in the back of your head or even in the front of your head, like, is anyone going to read this? Like, is anyone going to like this? Like, this was a little waste of time. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, and I even sort of talk about this, like, like, you're comparing it to, like, the top leaders in the field who've written these brilliant pieces of work, and you're like, well, I don't compare to Yellow. Like, I don't compare to people. Like, why would anyone have to listen to what I have to say? And so you're kind of grappling with that while also being like, no, I, I think I got something good here. I do think I know um, a little bit that could help and support other people. Um, I think my experience was, was a little different than a lot of first-time authors because, um, I do have a background in professional writing. So I didn't feel like, okay, I have no idea I'm going to write. I, I knew I had those fundamentals down. And I also had a lot of support from, um, the psychotherapy memes platform. I knew that people for better or worse were kind of looking at me as this kind of point of guidance of like, how to navigate these new feelings in the field. Um, they knew a lot of my audience was pretty, I, I call it like zero to five, like the zero to five year therapists, these like new therapists who are in graduate school, leaving graduate school, or kind of like just getting their feet wet with starting their own practice or, or getting licensed, all those, all those obstacles that we're facing in the beginning of our career. Um, and so I knew they needed I, I knew this book needed to be written. I mean, we're missing something like this in our field, but there was definitely that, well, am I supposed to be the one to write it? You know, and, um, I think the imposter syndrome definitely can still arise because there's no perfect book. And I do struggle with perfectionism. So there are times where it's like, ah, I should have not written that or I should have written it better or I should have edited that differently or, oh, I got that one star review. Like everybody is actually going to hate me. And if I ever write another book, no one will read it. So it's all, all that like anxiety uh, spitting out. Um, but I, I also feel humble knowing that most that's common for most writers. Most writers are like, we're our worst critics and we're a, we're a troubled and dramatic breed. <laughs> I like that you name it that way. And there's so much to kind of pick apart in that, like perfectionism and imposter syndrome go hand in hand, right? Like I can't release this to the world until it's perfect and it will never fucking be perfect. Like I cannot talk, tell you how many times like with coaching clients are like, okay, my site today, my website cannot go live until it's perfect. And I'm like, when is that going to be? Like, there's never going to be a time that that can happen, but we can get paralyzed per by perfectionism. And I struggle with that all the time. I do too. And it's kind of like, what is that balance between, okay, yeah, you really should fix something because it kind of sucks versus like, is it going to be a hundred percent perfect? Where is that, that realm of good enough? And my definition of that might be different than your definition of that might be different than his. And it can evolve over time. I've learned that too. Um, and so I, I imagine like writing a podcast is similar with that too. Like, you know, you creating episodes, editing episodes, decide, like there's, 
probably a lot of times you're like, ah, this isn't perfect, but I, I got to put it out there. I have this deadline, you know? And so it's, I think writing well was a similar, excuse me, similar formula. Yeah. I think, I think that's really well said. And it, it comes up in a lot of the stuff that I do, whether it's like launching a coaching program or the podcast or putting anything out there. Like you said about putting a book out there, you allow yourself to then be vulnerable and then you're open for critique. Right. And that is when we start to see our insecurity rise up when you do get that one star review, when that one person says, eh, it was good, but it wasn't that good. Or like it could have been better. And then you start to like doubt everything that you've ever done in your life. And that is when I think, okay, instead of doing all these things, I should just like disappear back into bartending again and never do this ever again. <laughs> but there's a clumsy, so I would not make a good bartender. My husband is always joking, like I can't keep, I, I actually had to check my teeth before this episode to make sure I'm not spending my teeth. Um, <laughs> but I feel like, yeah, you could, I mean, you could go back to bartending. <laughs> I don't even have that to fall back on. I don't know what I would do. <laughs> it sounds like you wouldn't go back to your agency job though, if that was the case. No, no, working, I'm sure you relate to this, learning how to work for myself and build my own businesses has been best. Like, it's been crazy, but it's been the best experience um, I've ever had. And it would be very hard to go back unless, I, I never want to say never, because like an awesome opportunity can come up. Like life can be short, but it can also be very long. You never know like where your career is going to take you. And I do think that speaks to some of the beauty of the therapy field is there's a lot of solidity in this field and there's a lot of different like paths you can take. And so I can't say you're like, no, I will never go back, but it would really have to be the right fit with the right kind of people doing the right kind of work for me to consider that option. Yeah, I like that. And I, it's not a binary process in this career. I mean, there's so much we can do and there's so many ways our skills are applicable, which is a good transition because you also mentioned talking about multiple streams of income. And I think so often right now, clinicians are so ready to get out of the agency job environment, start their own practices, and then a lot of times get into practice and think, okay, either this is great, but I'm kind of bored now, which is my personality in a nutshell. Um, <laughs> or like, this is really, this is better than what it used to be. I get to be my own boss, but I'd like to make more money. I'd like to no longer, you know, exchange 60 minute increments of my time and rely upon that. And I get that. And you're seeing a lot of therapists go into coaching, but I'm wondering about like streams of revenue that you've created that feel like, okay, I don't have to be in front of the screen front and center, you know, hour after hour to make, make the rent or pay the bills. Totally. Um, I love the question. I have always been pretty entrepreneurial. I love, I don't want to say I love money because that sounds like greedy, but I love like understanding how money works and how to grow money, build money, kind of play with money. Um, and so building different streams has been enjoyable to me because like you said, like there is power in moving away from like 50, 60 minute, 60 minute increments. Um, you, you exchange time for money and learning how to like buy your time back is in my opinion, like the best thing you can ever buy for yourself. And so going back to that different things I've done, um, I was actually just talking about this on Instagram, like last week, all the different types of things that therapists can do, but things I've done include, um, one of, one of my first bread and butters was doing a lot of content writing for different therapists. That is an active process. Um, but I would help with like blogs, psychology day profiles, um, homepage copy, building out their websites, things like that. Things that a lot of times like the perfectionism plagues therapists from getting started. And then they are, you know, not able to actually launch what they want to launch because they're still tripped up on, does this word make sense? 
Um, so writing has definitely been a source of income since I want to say I've started the therapy career and they've kind of like gone together. And at this point now, I, I do a lot of contract uh, writing for a lot of different organizations. I contribute to a lot of different sites and I enjoy that. Um, it is active, but I find that it uses different parts of my brain than therapy does. And so I really like having that mix and match approach. Um, the book, I mean, as a source of writing, but that at this point is not passive. So like, that's a really cool passive income source for people who like writing, um, is that you, you're continuing essentially to earn money off of that. Um, speaking engagements, I've done some affiliate marketing for different companies. Um, I don't really like monetize the psychotherapy needs community at times I've done here and there, like a few different sponsorships, a few different like partner collaborations that are compensated, but it's not something I like very, um, primarily focus on. I don't want to lose the integrity of what the page is and make it too salesy. Right. But there is that balance because they definitely get some really cool offers that come my way. And I mean, yeah, of course, I'm not going to lie and say like, that's not tempting <laughs> from time to time, but I really try and source the opportunities that come my way to make sure they feel authentic and appropriate for my audience. Because I know, like I said earlier, like a lot of people look up to the page for like trusted guidance and I don't want to jeopardize that. Um, merchandise, you know, we make some snarky mugs and notebooks and sell those through a website and on Etsy. So those are kind of fun and something I probably want to make some more of in the future because I just, it, it's a fun little like side project. Um, I'm trying to think what else, but those are the main ones that come to mind, but I like dipping my toes in a lot of different projects. Sounds like you do too, because I get bored pretty easily. It's like once something's like working really well, I'm like, okay, now what? <laughs> Instead of just enjoying like the fruits of that labor, I'm like, okay, now I need to go build something else or I need to build that out even more. Sounds like my life in a nutshell, like the, sometimes it's even like the inability to take it in, like, oh my God, you've created this, right? Yes. And just to absorb that instead of sitting with that, it's like, okay, what's next? Now, what else can I create with these skills that I have or the audience that I've grown? And I don't think it's a, necessarily a bad thing. I'm sure some people are like, oh, that feels like grind or hustle culture. But in reality, I think a lot of people's brains just work that way and are wired to, to do different things throughout our lives. And it's really, um, like you said, time is probably our, our biggest currency, right? Because we can't get it back. Right. And I see so many therapists use the word passive income now. And I, then I kind of chuckle. I'm like, ah, it's, it takes a long time to become passive income. However, it's unbelievably gratifying. And everything you just mentioned, therapist skills can apply to all of those ventures. And even more than that, like, I think so often we think so clinically as if like, how else can I make money if I'm not doing clinical work? Right. And in reality, we're really good at being creative and resourceful and you know, attuning and, and building relationships and helping people feel motivated and empowered. And that can be in so many different realms. And absolutely, if we could just move away from the mindset of like, all I know how to do is help people through A, B, and C. And that's just simply not the reality. I, I cannot agree more. And, you know, I fully agree. Like a lot of our skills do translate into other domains, into other areas of connecting with people or selling ideas. And I don't even mean that like in a scammy way. I mean that like it being able to help people just in different avenues rather than sitting couch to couch with a client, you know? And why caveat, like, because some blacks mean, what if I don't want to do, like, you don't have to do that either. You know, it's not like I know many colleagues who are very happy with the career that they've built for themselves as therapists. So no, like, I don't think 
I don't think it's healthy to assume that all therapists need to build like these empires or, you know, hustle culture, what have you. Um, but I think for certain people, and maybe it's people like you and me who like the energy and kind of the adrenaline of that, it's nice knowing that you can dabble with it and play with it and probably build something out of it um, if you have the grit and the desire to kind of make it grow. That's perfectly said. And for everyone listening, yeah, you absolutely do not have to build your quote unquote empire. You may be very happy just working for yourself and seeing clients and that can be the rest of your career and that is okay. And for some of us, I think it's important to know that you're probably going to get bored and you're probably going to create something else and create something else. I've already thought, all right, now that private practice coaching has been going really well for two years. Now what? Like, what am I going to do for money? And Totally. Uh, I ask my wife, I ask my VA, and they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, oh yes. <laughs> my husband. I think in a curse. My husband and I take these long walks with our, we, we have two kids. We had, we just had a newborn around a month and a half ago. And we take these walks, and I swear, he hears me like go through like 10 ideas before doing like, all these things I'm going to do. And like most of them don't pan out. And I'm sure you relate to that. Like, but there's something fun and just kind of the brainstorming. And then you, you figure out the threats you are going to pursue. Uh, but yeah, he's always like, just chill out. Like, you already have a lot going on. It, it is, it is hard sometimes. And that's one of my own flaws when I'm trying to work on is being able to like just sit and enjoy some of the things I built rather than being like, okay, what's next? What's next? Because that, that always, that can have its downsides too, right? Of not being able to just sit and wait and like, take it in like I think you said earlier taking it in um but not to get too off track I do think that passive income can definitely be a misconception because a lot of people are still trying to do a lot of active end up doing more work thinking they're making something passive and then they like double burn out if you will yes absolutely and I think I had an episode with um Joe Muirhead she's a, a therapist and coach out of Australia where we were talking about passive income and it's like if you're trying to create passive income because you're burnt out from being a therapist, you're probably not going to create passive income well either because you're just burnt out as a human being in general. And I think so often we are just burnt out. This field is seeing an intense amount of it. And that's why having pages like your own where you can come and just laugh and like have your everyone's dark sense of humor come together and have relatability is really important because this work is fucking hard. And these last couple of years have been fucking hard. And I'm going to get some shit from my email list about saying fuck too much now. Um, yeah, I, I get those DMs quite a bit. Every time I curse on there, like, hey, I love you curse too much. And it's like, Ooh. You don't have to follow it. Yes. And then I get the announcement that they're unfollowing. And it's that vibe. I always find that hilarious when someone messages me to tell me they're no longer going to like what I say. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, I had someone message me and email me and say, hey, all of your content has been so helpful. You've helped me build my business for free. This is not someone who did coaching with me, but you curse too much and that is lazy and unprofessional. And I was like, well, you can unsubscribe and you don't have to be subjected to this lazy, unprofessional, free content anymore. Oh, I love when they announced their departure. Funny. <laughs> I have lots of gifts of people like leaving for airplanes for stuff like that and, and things yeah. of that nature. <laughs> yeah, that, but uh, I wasn't sure if you would know what I'm talking about. But yes, this is not an airport. We don't need to announce the departure. Um, I can't tell you. I can count like the amount of times I've said that in my Facebook group for the people who like make their last stand and they're like, and I'm getting out of here. And this is why. And I'm like, 
all right, see ya. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. And the, you know what? Speaking of imposter syndrome, one little thing to tie that all together. It's so cliche, but I think it's always humbling for me and hopefully for listeners and you like realizing like you're just not going to please everyone. Like no matter yeah. what, someone is not going to like what you have to say. They may be deeply offended by what you have to say. They may really have an issue with it. And I think I used to let those one or two or even several voices really bought me down. Like, well, those are the real voices, not the 99% of people who are like, have my back and supporting me. Um, and so again, as cliche as is just reminding myself like, okay, there is no universal liking of anything on this planet. Like we are as humans cannot agree on anything really, except that we all need mosquitoes, I think. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I haven't found a pro mosquito uh, person yet in my life. <laughs> and that's neither of our industries. So, um, I mean, maybe that's a that's a very extreme, right? So I'm doing mosquitoes. But uh, yeah, I I don't think we're just wired to please everyone. And if you, I, I also believe, like, if you're truly pleasing everyone, you're probably pleasing no one because you're not taking enough risks. You're not you're not doing things slowly enough. You know, your your character isn't showing through. And it sounds like you and I both really value being authentic in the work we do. And so if you're just kind of skating by trying to make everyone happy, the authenticity goes missing and then you've lost the whole product in my opinion. Couldn't say it better myself. And I think that authenticity creates relatability. It creates your brand and you are going to attract and repel based on what you put out there. And like you said, we don't exist in an echo chamber, so we're not going to be for everybody. And I think our brains do really focus in on and hyper focus in on like the 1% of people who are like, ah, I hate this. This is terrible. But in reality, you lose sight over like how many people your stuff is really supporting and helping. And that is really the most important thing to focus on in all of this. And I think so many of us have these people pleasing tendencies of like, I can't show up and be myself because someone is going to get upset about it. And then once you are allowing yourself to have permission to do so, you see some significant growth happen in not just your business, but in your personal life. And for me, allowing myself to just have my own voice and say things differently, and I know I have a lot more privilege than most, but it really has helped grow my business, grow my brand, because people are attracted to what I offer for a reason. And it sounds like that is the exact same thing for you. And I do think it, it really does help with the imposter syndrome piece as well. Yeah, I, I like the way you said all of that, I completely agree. And I think why psychotherapy means has continued to thrive in the, the ways it has is because I really tried to just make it real, as, as real as possible and not sugarcoat the fields and not sugarcoat the work we do. And that bothers some people because I definitely got people commenting or messaging like, hey, you're going to be a really bleak view or therapy or hey, like I don't trust therapists now after reading your stuff. And I to me, that kind of misses... Uh, I don't want to say it misses the mark, but obviously my intention is not to make our field look like it's this terrible shit show, but it's important <laughs> to illuminate and like raise voice to what we all are already feeling. And for clients who view the page, because I know there's a good amount of people who are not there to view the page, it's a reminder like your therapist is also just human and you're not in charge of taking care of their feelings, but this reminder that like we're all just humans now and eating other humans and therefore we are, nobody is immune to the human experience. That's perfectly said. I, I could not agree with that more. And I, you know, that's a big part of the work that I do is just really helping therapists realize that they are humans. Yes, we have training. Yes, we have masters or PhDs, but 
at the end of the day, we are human beings and we're allowed to have personalities and be ourselves and, and speak up about things that we care about and cursed in our content and wear shorts to practice. I can't tell you how many times I've been seeing like, do you let your therapist wear shorts to work? I'm like, what the why the fuck do you care about that? <laughs> My husband <laughs> recently wearing shorts. Uh, he, he's a director of a few agencies out here. And the other day, and I looked at him like, are you wearing shorts to work? And he's like, yeah. And then actually, like, why do I care? But I, I spent at that first thing of like, is that professional? And he looked great. He looked fine. They were not like, you know, knee shorts or something weird. <laughs> Offense if, if that's what you like to wear to work. But um, yeah, it, it's funny. These like random and like these biases and these expectations that we all have, like we all carry them, you know, what we should or should not be doing. Yeah. Cursing being another one, you know, people must, can I curse in session? Can I, or a client even be like, can I curse with my therapist? And it, it is crazy. Just all these, um, I guess just variables that run through our mind all day long. And I think they contribute to these feelings of insecurity because there's so much gray area in, in what we do. There's some pretty defined black and whites, but so much of it is is still quite gray. And it is largely up to us as therapists to kind of define what that is for us and how we are going to tap into that authentic part of ourselves to connect with our clients um, in the work that we do. Yeah, that's perfectly said. And, you know, I've even had staff of my group practice ask me in interviews, are you okay if I have tattoos? Like, are you okay if I sh like show them off? I'm like, yeah, I don't fucking care. As long as they're not offensive, like right. be yourselves, you know? And I think we get this like whitewashed messaging from grad school and agency work that we have to be a certain way and how we have to be per personally and professionally. And again, we're, we're human beings going through the same stuff that our clients are going through. And I think it's important to be relatable. I think it's actually doing yourself a disservice if you are not relatable and accessible. Like yep. when I started out, I only worked with young men struggling with addiction because that was my life and my experience. And I would curse in my content and I was scared to do it at first. But what happened is I realized like then all of these younger adult men started calling me and they were like, oh my God, like a therapist who isn't going to judge me for saying fuck. And I was like, wow, the power of like being just a normal human being. And that has really translated into everything that I do. But I get why we're scared to do it. But I think that time and time again, we just see that it does create accessibility and relatability. And we are in the business of building connection and relationship. Agree. And I one good thing I noticed is I do think the landscape is changing a bit. And I, I want to attribute that to just like the internet and social media, websites, things like that. Like if you're super sterile, it come across as really generic at this point, and you're probably not going to get the clients you want. And I've noticed that in a lot of the writing work I've done for clients, um, stuff I've done like on, on social media for clients, like if you're not letting some of your personality show through it, how you market yourself, how you talk to clients, how you do those consult calls, how you do like pretty much every step of the process, including the therapy, but I'm even saying before you get them in, in your office, you're coming across as it's boring. You're coming across as like this like textbook and therapy's changing. I, I think most of us are moving away from like wanting this like blank slate therapist. And we're now wanting more of that human connection with our clinicians. Um, yeah, I know for me, like I've always loved going to therapy and like if if I were to place right now where I were to look for a new therapist, I don't want just some generic, you know, like psychology today, but I want to know who you are, like what you stand for, you know, like, yeah. And if you have tattoos, like that doesn't bother me if you're good at what you do. But I think 
I don't know that. And that's changed a lot, like even in the past decade, because it's different than how it was when I went to school. Like I had a professor when I went to school who didn't, who told women we needed to cross our legs during session, like that you were going to come across as, as pretty much too slutty if you didn't. That would never fly in today's like training or teaching, you know, but, and I think the landscape's changing a lot of industries, not just mental health, but it is one change I think is, and it's for the better, that we're allowed and more, it's more emphasized to be more human nowadays. Couldn't say that better myself either. And I think that is really an important point for everyone listening, both therapists, entrepreneurs, people who may be therapy clients. I was doing TikTok videos about your psychology today sucks and this is why. And it was fun, but like, God, they're so bad, but they're all the same. And the reason, and I can give the same feedback over and over again. I could just copy and paste, like, make it about the client. Don't make it about you. Stop using clinical jargon. We don't, nobody talks like that. But in reality, I, I do think you're right. The era of psychotherapy is changing. And I think it's for the better because we are embracing identities and cultures and and marginalized communities and just the recognition that like blank slate, robotic, head nodding therapist doesn't really attract or a- appeal to anyone anymore. Our homepage for our group practice, actually, I wrote like authentic human beings, no head nodding or how does it make you feel statements here. And then like therapy is fucking hard but we're here to support you. And I cannot tell you how many calls we get because of that. And um, yeah, no, just, oh no, it, I, I just think embracing personality is important. I, I could not agree more in, in making lots of websites for clients. Like I'm like, yes, let me hear your, like I will interview them and want to hear and get to know them. And um, I think we're in this era of therapy being very trendy, not, not in a short way, hopefully not, but like, we're just more accepting of mental health awareness and mental health intervention than we've probably ever been, which is great job security for people like you and me, but also just good for this, for our society, right? People being like, okay, talking about going to therapy and these kinds of things. And so, yeah, that lends a hand to, again, just more authentic space. Um, some head nodding, okay, because I had not. Some, some. <laughs> not 60 minutes of it, not like. Of it. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes you got to do a little head nodding, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that's the kind of website that would speak to me too, you know, like, okay, I have an idea of who you guys are, you're authentic, you're real. That means my problems probably won't scare you too much. Right. Cause that's what most clients want to feel. They want to feel like I'm not going to scare you. I'm not going to burden you. I'm not going to worry. I, I'm going to be okay for you. You can help me. You can see. Me. Absolutely. And um, absolutely. Yeah. And I think for when I was writing my book, that was one of the driving forces of the title. Like sometimes therapy is awkward. I mean, that is a title that makes you kind of think like, okay, yeah, it is. It is awkward <laughs> now that you it, you know, it, it is a little weird. And so um, there, there's something to be said about just kind of having like a boldness to what you put out there in the world and, and just people tend to respond better than I think we think they will. That's a great great ending point for this because i think that is such that's the takeaway is like people do respond to boldness and it's okay to be yourself and it it is scary and both can be true that's one of my favorite therapist lines by the way like i say that way too fucking much um but yes it can be bold you can be scared and both can be true um and i just want to applaud you for what you're doing i mean i think that we we just need more and more voices out there that are willing to take risks and willing to be bold and willing to just say what's on their mind because we need to be able to not only destigmatize mental health but normalize the fact that it is cool to go to therapy and therapists also struggle and have these experiences too and they can all exist together 
Um, I do have a real quick question for you, though. How many hours a week do you spend making memes? <laughs> Believe it or not, and I don't know if I've ever admitted this to someone, I don't like do any prep for them, like beyond literally that moment. Like it comes to me and I make it. I don't like pre-sketch. I should. That would make my life probably easier. I don't pre-sketch. <laughs> um, they come to me or I sit down and I'm like, okay, time to make a meme. Like I'll read one in a day or two. I need to make one. And people ask me like, well, how do you get, I don't know. I don't know where the inspiration comes. I don't have a great answer. It's just, I think being in the work, we're in the work, there's no shortage of inspiration of like just <laughs> bullshit that comes up and the fears that come up. Um, so I don't know if I were to tally it all, it's probably a couple hours a week, but um, some more, some weeks, some less. So uh, I don't know. I probably should figure out a system. I vary the systems and optimization. It's like one area where like I don't do it, but it's one of those things that, it seems to be working the way it's working. So I haven't had much of a need to audit it just yet. I was going to say, if it's not broke, don't fix it. And for some of us, like that's how my writing is the most authentic is when it hits me. And then I'm like, yep, got to write about that. Yep. Got to put that out to the world. So I think yeah. if it's working, who the hell cares how it's working? So very, very cool. And I'm really happy that you made the time to be here and that we connected. And just please tell the audience where they can find more of what you offer, your book, everything you've got going on. Yeah, absolutely. So I can be found a couple different places. The best one, if you're interested in memes, is on Instagram at psychotherapy memes. Um, I'm also on Twitter and Facebook. I've been saying emails, but who's using Twitter and Facebook anywhere? Instagram's <laughs> words at um, you can buy my book pretty much anywhere books are sold. Um, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Audible, all those good places. Um, just Google it, it'll come up. Uh, you can find me at NicoleArzt.com. Um, and from there, all my writing, podcasts, and anything you ever want to know about me should be on there. Um, and contact information if you're interested in collaborating or hiring out for any project that suits your fancy um, or just connecting. So those are the main spots I can be found. Fantastic. And we will put all of that in the show notes so you have easy um, access to find out more about Nicole and what she offers. Just want to thank you again for coming on. Um, I really love your stuff and I've been a big fan. So it's cool to connect like this. And, you know, that's a good lesson for people too. Sometimes you just have to put yourself out there. Um, if you want to collaborate, if you want to connect with people, just be genuine about it. And sometimes it works out really well. Um, and for everyone listening to the All Things Private Practice podcast, there are, are new episodes coming out every Sunday morning on all major platforms like download, subscribe, and share. If you want to find more about me, you can go to allthingspractice.com for coaching, retreats that are coming up, one in Ireland, one in Barcelona, and all of our podcast episodes. So we will see you next week. Doubt yourself. Do it anyway. Thanks, Nicole. Thanks, Patrick. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.